Hello, and welcome back to the Glossy Weekend Review podcast. I'm your host, senior fashion reporter Danny Parisi, and I'm here with Glossy's editor in chief, Jill Manoff. How's it going, Jill? Hi, Danny. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very good as well, and I am excited to talk about some of the fun things we have for today's agenda. Um, We're going to start by talking about Parade, the DTC underwear brand, which sold itself off um, to a big kind of like establishment underwear company. Uh, We'll talk a little bit about Threads and how they lost um, a huge amount of users after that first week or two where it felt like everyone was talking about it. Finally, we're going to talk about the uh, the hottest new sneaker brand on the market, which is the grocery store Aldi uh, or Aldi. Aldi. I don't know. The stock up Aldi. store. You're not from the Midwest. Okay, go ahead. No, I'm not. We have Lidl in New York, which I thought was the same company. And I just learned is actually their like rival. Oh, I just assumed they were related. I don't know that anyway. one either. Okay. Yeah. Even well, Steven. anyway, um, to start, let's talk about Parade. So Parade is that classic like Gen Z underwear brand um, and also very classic kind of DTC uh, style brand. It it launched with e-commerce and direct and got really big off of like some really smart marketing and and word of mouth and uh, grew really fast. I think they were valued at like $200 million after like two or three years of being in business. Um, but this week they announced that they had sold themselves off to a company called Ariella and Associates International, um, which I had never heard of, but from my research is a licensee of Fruit of the Loom and has been in underwear for a long time. It's this very traditional, like large kind of standard place um, and kind of a contrast to Parade, which kind of was this, uh, you know, DTC disrupting the underwear space kind of like punk rock sort of brand. Um Anyway, so they are now owned by Ariella, and I think the the idea is that they're they're gonna parade is gonna leverage some of that like more traditional infrastructure that this company Ariella has, um, and that uh, parade didn't. Um, so I have some thoughts on this, but how about you start, Joe? What do you what do you think? Uh, first thought is I referenced uh, when I interviewed the the founder who started the brand at age 21 in 2019. Mm-hmm. I mean. Cam- Cammie, Cammie Telez, I think is her name. Correct. She was on our Glossy 50 list in 2021. And at the time. Yeah, she's great. She's fantastic. And like you said, doing all the things that are, I don't know, the buzz is that they're resonating with Gen Z. Like you said, inclusivity, they were doing big things on the sustainability front with big goals and really founded in community. Their whole, they have a bazillion ambassadors. So back when I interviewed Cami in 2020, no, 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 2021, they had 5,000 ambassadors and these were people who provided feedback on product development, and they promoted Parade products on their social channels. Uh, The new reports, when everybody's talking about the sale, um, was that it had grown that ambassador group to 75,000 people within two years, like from 5,000 to 75,000. And also, gosh, their customers had grown from 300,000 two years ago to 750,000 customers. So, yeah, I'm with you. There, you know, there's a good, there are a couple of good stories out there that talk about what happened. Um, why, mm-hmm. why did they sell? It was, it's awesome, but they weren't profitable, um, though mm-hmm. they were expected to reach profitability this year. 
Um, but these young brands that really thrive or um, rely on funding, that's kind of dried up. So um, yeah, yeah, is forced to sell question mark, question mark. They haven't said that, but um, that's what it seems. Yeah, I had the same thought. I wonder if they were just kind of like hitting a wall on the growth that they could reach through those standard like DTC practices, like fundraising and marketing, like spending a lot on marketing and stuff. I, I feel like we've talked about a little bit how DTC brands used to be, you know, it used to be really easy to grow a DTC brand. You just get some funding and just like blow it all on Instagram and Facebook advertising. Uh, and then suddenly you've got a huge brand and like whether that's sustainable in the long run, you know, who knows, but at least you could do that part like pretty easily. Um, and now a lot of that funding is, like you said, dried up. Uh, that's not as easy to do. I, and Parade is kind of already over that initial hump, but I wonder if they're now seeing like there's there's not really more VC funding to get. There's not really more we can just brute force spend on marketing to keep growing. Now we need to get like some actual like infrastructure underneath this thing. And um, I think we talked about Allbirds last week as another like DTC brand that as kind of having to abandon some of those practices and, you know, they're doing more wholesale there. There's all these like kind of classic traditional retail things that I think a lot of those brands now kind of have to do uh, just because that whole era of DTC infinite funding is just over. Yeah. I, I would love to see the financials here. So um, because parade never really they didn't seem heavily reliant on Meta and Facebook ads because their whole community yeah. shtick. So, but they were investing in stores, for example, like in 2019, they opened a store in Soho, which ain't cheap. Um, but they weren't just mm -hmm. sitting still and just, they, they were moving, they were doing all the things they set out to do. Um, and they also entered wholesale channels, Urban Outfitter and Outfitters in 2022 and Target this year. Um, so... I mean, it's they're saying that this um, they're acquired now they're able able to leverage design and forecasting capabilities from this new company. Um, they're looking to expand international as well. So anyway, we'll be watching this space. Uh, and there's also rumor that they were in talks with Victoria's Secret, which is interesting, um, which yeah. scooped up Adore Me. But go ahead. Yeah, I was just about to mention that actually there's been a lot of, I feel like, movement and consolidation and other stuff in this intimate sort of lingerie space recently. You mentioned Adore Me was purchased by Victoria's Secret. Um, also, Cup was sold to full beauty brands. Um, I think they were formerly owned by Walmart. Uh, Parade is now sold. I just feel like there's a lot of interest in that space, um, especially given the disruption of, you know, Victoria's Secret that we've talked about. Even though Victoria's Secret is one of those acquiring companies, I just feel like that there's a lot of movement happening in underwear and intimates right now. I wonder if we'll see more uh, acquisitions in the near future of some other like DTC yes. underwear intimates brands. Agree. And I also wonder, Cami, who's kind of mm. brought the flavor to this brand as a young founder, um, is leaving. So we know what typically happens mm. when a large company scoops up a cool brand like Where's the cool factor with the, without the cool person driving it? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder if the thinking is just like, okay, we've done the like small but cool brand. Now let's be the big and maybe less cool brand. And it's just like, you know, maybe that's just the trade-off they're making. Yeah. Interesting to see. And, and like you said, we've talked to Cami. She is great. So I'm, I'm wondering how the company's going to fare without her. 
Let's move on, speaking of cool factor, to talk about threads. Uh, I believe it was July when we when it came out and we talked about on this podcast how big it was and you know all these people were adopting it. I think it had like 100 million users in the first uh, week or two. Um, and then since then, and since that episode, it has really gone off a cliff. I think they lost more than half of those users. I feel like I anecdotally no, barely ever see anybody talking about it or mentioning it. And uh, yeah, it just seems like it, people checked it out. They they made their account, which it took five seconds if you had an Instagram account, which I think was a good, um, that was definitely a, a good for bringing in a lot of new users because it was so easy. And then I think people just like looked around and then were like, okay, that's that's that. And then logged off. I mean, that's what I did. I haven't even looked at it in you know several weeks. Um, I saw that Meta is planning some what they call retention hooks um, to try to get people to come back or to keep them there if they're still using it. Um, one of the things is like showing them threads on Instagram, um, which I think I believe is like pretty separate right now. Like, yes. I, you know, if I'm scrolling my Instagram feed, I don't think I've ever seen a thread pop up. Um, what 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 do you think, Jill? I think we were appropriately cautious at the time when it was coming out, and I think we hedged a little bit, like maybe everyone's just going to abandon this in a couple of weeks, <laughs> and I think that's exactly what happened. Um, what do you think is like behind that? Yeah, well, the the easy sign up and everybody's on Instagram, and it was so automatic. Um, it made for good news when they launched. Like this is the next big thing. But to be honest, like all the chatter when they first launched, I was like, well, this can't be. This can't go on because this is just nothing. People saying, what's the voice we use on threads? Oh my God, guys. Hi, mm. we're on threads. <laughs> yeah. Look at this. Like it was just like talking about threads and it being new and we're all on a new platform. Hi. Um, but yeah. it, 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 wasn't it annoying? <laughs> I was like, I gotta yeah, get that's out of such here. a good point. Like there was no, there weren't a lot of posts that were just like valuable on their own. It was all just like meta discussion of like, we're here with, you know, and I feel like that's my, my thought on it is that I think the, the way that a social network really takes off is if you've got power users who drop people in who are popular and also who can sort of show how to use the platform. Like I think about with TikTok, TikTok had, uh, you know, immediately had a lot of really popular users who kind of sh taught people how to use TikTok, you know, like the, there's so many, um, you know, someone does a dance, uh, like it like invents a dance on TikTok and then a bunch of other people do it. And then suddenly it's like a whole thing. And I feel like on threads, there wasn't really like a threads influencer to kind of show people how to use threads. It was just Instagram influencers who I think we said at the time, don't know how to post in a text-based uh, kind of medium. They're just like, they're so used to just pictures and videos and stuff. And then it's like, you have to use actual words to communicate. <laughs> and it's all like, yo fam, what's the vibe? And it's like, that's not a valuable post on its own to just say, what's the vibe? That's not, yes. that's not helpful. And for Twitter, where people kind of spew their big thoughts, like, do you really want the person that you're following for their like memes? <laughs> yeah. And, and Twitter has the benefit of like having a lot of, like had a lot of journalists and a lot of politicians. And I know not everyone used it for that, but I think that was one of the big draws was like, those like a journalist, not to toot our our horns here, like know how to write and know how to do text and can post something that's informative and valuable on its own just for like the words. And I think if your thing is, uh, you know, just posting videos of you putting on an outfit, um, which is like 
you know, difficult to do and, and requires a certain skill to do it image-based, I don't think you can just translate that to text as easily. So totally. that's what I felt like was lacking. There wasn't like a threads, like there weren't threads power users that were influential and people were like, I got to be on threads to follow these people, you know, because if they're the most popular people on threads were also on Instagram, you can just follow them on Instagram. Yes. I was wondering if it was like a duplicative and some, uh, an account that I, I poked around a little bit before we started talking today, an account, I was thinking, what's an account that I love on Instagram? And one is like, I deserve couture. And I was like, I'm going to see what they're doing on threads. Um, and it wasn't duplicative. It was different. And it was, um, He's he. Oh gosh, I can't think of his name. I'm horrible. But um, is not on Twitter. Um, I looked, mm. which is interesting, and saying interesting like things. He was showing his expertise in fashion in in a different way. So like he was saying, Zach Posen should go to Lan Vaughn, and I was like, Ooh, that's interesting, and it's fun to follow mm. him. But but right now, I I clicked the yes. I want to follow everybody I'm following on Instagram on Threads. I think that. Oh, it gave them big numbers at, at the beginning, but it makes the experience yeah. very unsatisfying, I would say. First of all, all yes. the notifications that you're getting are just like people that just signed up for threads or people, um, yeah, it's, it's everybody that you're following or that are, is following you because they automated it all of a sudden. And that's all yeah. I'm seeing. And also, I, I think I mentioned to you yesterday in our, our little one-on-one, I was like, um, do they even allow comments? And yes, they do. But like, yeah. because the engagement is so low, whenever I would see something interesting on threads and I'd click to see, what are people saying about this? I was like, nobody's commenting on this at all. Yeah. Uh, hmm. So we were, we were literally like, can you even comment? Because we don't <laughs> see any comments. Yeah, I think you're so right. That point about giving people the option to follow everyone they follow on Instagram is like, gave everyone big numbers at the beginning, but then I don't actually want to sit, follow everyone that I follow on Instagram on a different platform like and I I think uh, this might have been user error but I'm pretty sure I didn't check that I didn't say yes to that prompt and I still somehow ended up following a bunch of people that I don't remember following at all so I don't really understand how that works um also I was I think I, again I mentioned this when we first talked about threads but I've been using blue sky a lot I basically like stopped using Twitter entirely and part of the reason I've stuck around there is not necessarily because blue sky has features that I like. And in fact, I think it's missing some features that it should have. Um, but it's just that a lot of the people that I want to follow, journalists and authors and smart people are there. So it's like, it's really the people that make it happen, not really the the platform itself, I think. Um, and that gets into the whole conversation that like these platforms rely on their users, especially the power users that bring a lot of people in. Um, but yeah, so that's like what's kept me at Blue Sky and also what has repelled me from Twitter is like all the people on Twitter are awful. Um, but <laughs> have you, have you seen all. any brands but, engaging? Where on Blue Sky? Uh, on on or, threads. On threads. Um, I don't think so. And I remember at the time I wrote something about threads and I talked to some brands, and I think they also had kind of the same thought where they were like, yeah, it's really big. A lot of people are joining, but we're still going to just kind of check it out and see and not like, I don't think any brand that I know of really immediately dumped a ton of money into it. Um, and also though, I think the ad experience on threads is kind of integrated with Instagram anyway. So if you were advertising on Instagram, some of your ads probably showed up on threads as well. Cause I think they get placed kind of, I think you can 
you can control to some degree where it gets placed, but you can also like let Meta kind of just place the ads wherever so they can get spread across Instagram and Facebook and I'm sure threads as well, I think. I remember a, a brand that I talked to at the time telling me something like that. Um, so I don't know. I don't think any brand really like immediately was like, let's spend millions of dollars on threads yeah. ads. I think everyone was a little bit like, let's let's give it a couple of weeks and see. So, um, But it might be good to check in with some of those brands and just ask yeah, well, one that I did look at because we are talking about its community focus is Parade today. Mm-hmm. And oh, yeah. because they're so like in the mix, that's their thing. Um, they six weeks ago posted a post, <laughs> five weeks ago posted mm-hmm. another. Um, and that was that. Like they haven't posted it. in five weeks. And their their approach was what a lot of people are doing, which I'm like, do people have time for this kind of stuff? Like their question, they put out a question. What is the correct amount of underwear to pack for a three-day weekend? And I'm seeing a lot of questions like, if what's like living or dead, who would be at your ultimate uh, dinner party? You know, stuff like that. And and the the stat out there about the the fall off for Threads was that um, the user base or the users dropped seventy percent in the first month, and the average time on the app, which blows my mind that people are spending this much time on apps, because this is not how I use. Twitter or threads at all, mm-hmm. kind of like sitting there and, and scrolling, but it dropped from 19 minutes to four minutes on an average. Oh, wow. And Twitter, um, which actually has 200 million daily users, um, the, the average time is 30 minutes. I read this somewhere. Is this legit? I believe that. Yeah. Dang. There are a lot of people who have made Twitter like their whole life. Um, so I, I totally believe that they spend. I'm sure there are people who spend way more than that on Twitter in a, in a day. Wild. One thing to add that I deserve couture is Hannon Besovich, and I'm so sorry. You're fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about our final topic of the day, which is, as I mentioned before, um, the hottest new sneaker brand is Aldi, the grocery store, the massive German grocery store chain. Um, later this month, uh, I believe August 23rd, Aldi's releasing a $13 pair of sneakers. Um, they're unisex. They're very, they're kind of like standard, just white sneaker, although they, I think they come in some other colors, style. They kind of look like Air Force Ones to me. Um, and uh, they don't really have any like branding. They're very just like minimal and classic. Um, I think it's not the first time Aldi has done apparel. They started to do athleisure and stuff in 2021. Um, but this, these sneakers got a whole fancy marketing package and, you know, a photo shoot and all that stuff kind of hyping it up. I saw Hype Beast wrote about it. Um, so I think people are kind of interested. The, the reason I think it, I, I bring it up is for two reasons. So one is that like Aldi is a huge company. Um, they're like $120 billion in revenue. They're, they're huge. Um, the second one is I feel like the price consciousness of the American consumer right now is super high. Um, but at the same time, like you could get a $10 pair of shoes from some random sketchy website that you've never heard of. But I think the power of having like something really cheap and like looks kind of nice, but also having it come from like a reputable store that people know and it's not like, you know, some random online store that just popped up two weeks ago. I feel like that has a lot of value. So obviously it's not out yet, but I could see like the Aldi sneaker being this like kind of a, a, a viral thing. Wasn't there a Walmart bra that was like $5 or something? What, what sure. was that one? This is not ringing a bell. 
Okay, well, there was some sort of thing, and it was like the $5 bra or whatever, and then everyone was kind of, I mean, maybe I'm making that up if you don't remember. (laughs) No, no doubt. Something like that. No doubt, but we were talking earlier, this really like speaks my language as a Midwest Mm -hmm. girl who grew up on Aldi. I mean, I don't know if this still applies, but like back in the day, their kind of shtick, like cutting out the middleman was like, we're cutting out. We're, we're making our prices so affordable because we don't have things like beggars. Like you had to bag your own groceries. Like you take them to the mm-hmm. little area, you bag your groceries. Um, we bought the generic soda called Dr. Schnee, as I mentioned to you. <laughs> um, oh yeah, Dr. Schnee. <laughs> but um, yeah, this is interesting because it's their own brand. Because I was like, well, that makes sense. My mom and sister, like I've gone, what is that cute thing that they're wearing? And they bought it at like, Sam's Club or Costco, like mm-hmm. they do a lot of clothes shopping at these pl- at, at where they're buying their groceries. Um, but the fact there, there's it's kind of puts a bad taste in the mouths of like of complex reported this high snobiety also that the Air Force One, the Air Force One similarities. Um, they yeah. even said apparently in the press release they don't say Air Force One, they just called it a dupe in the press release. They called it a dupe. They called it a dupe. <laughs> wow, that's bold. I know. And Nike, like, they're not one to just sit there. So I wonder if they will go after no, all No, they're the... very litigious. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, that would be like, I, I think Nike's probably bigger, but that would be a, a battle of the giants for sure, because Aldi's also really huge. Yeah, that's so interesting. I, they must have had a legal team look at that, like, I presume, for a company that big. I'm sure they had some vetting of it, but I would be very, that would be very humorous if they just like walked right into a lawsuit over that. Um, I don't know. I guess I feel like didn't we talk about uh, some other sneaker uh, copyright infringement lawsuit recently? And it was kind of like on the one hand, yeah, shoe is a shoe. It's got a heel and a sole and laces and all that stuff. But on the other hand, there are some distinctive design elements of certain shoes. And I feel like this, the Aldi shoe, if you look at the picture of it, the sole with that kind of like ridged, Thing, like thick yep. sole around it is so classic Air Force One. Yep. Um, and even the kind of the rest of the upper and the, the way that like the pieces fit together, it definitely looks exactly like an Air Force One. Yes, um, I, I, I thought of it. The first, first thing I said when I saw little perforations on the top, I go, those look like Air Force Ones. And then I start yeah. reading the other people, the experts in streetwear, yourself included, saying the same thing. But go ahead. I was like, yeah, go it's, I, <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, you picked up on it. And I think... Uh, you know, you're, you're pretty knowledgeable on sneakers, but I think you're maybe not like a sneaker head, but even you could see that it looks exactly like an Air Force One. Totally. Um, I don't know what it's made of. I don't think they said in the, is it leather or leatherette or plastic or something? Um, but I think the, the $13 price tag I could see being very appealing to people and just like get a bunch of them in different colors and just like add it to the, the wardrobe, you know? Totally. The word on the street is they also came out with a Crocs knockoff a while back that was four dollars. Four dollars. Oh, that's so cheap. Totally. Um, there's also an odd thing is maybe I misread this, but it looks like the sizing is only for men. It's only nine, ten, and eleven are the only sizes. It's very limited, and then women's is six to nine. Um, so wild. That seems. I wonder if that's just a way to like keep the prices down by not making a huge range, but it's, it's interesting. We talk a lot about like size diversity and, and, you know, extended sizing. And I think a lot of brands are interested in that. And then this is like, not, not just not that it's like less even than like 
the average product. It's really limited sizing. And I, I think nine to 11 for men is probably like that statistically maybe the most average. Um, so maybe they just decided like, let's just make the three sizes and we'll make the three most common sizes and then we won't make anything else. You're on to something that's interesting. The reports also yeah. talk about it like as it builds out, it's ready to wear a collection. Ah. So anyway, yeah. if, if dupes are its thing, I'm sure we'll see more of this. Um, we'll see. Yeah. And I we talked about dupe culture, but I do think that there's less of a stigma around having kind of this, the generic version of something. Um, you know, if you don't want to get Air Force Ones, you can get the $13 like Aldi Force Ones that <laughs> look the same. And from afar, people might not even realize it's like not. Not actually it. Who is their head of like of apparel and accessories? There's got to be somebody that's driving all of this this new this new push, no doubt. Yeah. And like, are they aiming to go up against Aldi? This I mean, against Amazon. They have ten thousand stores in twenty countries. They have that going for them. And the convenience yeah. play, like you said, as, as you're shopping groceries, just pick it up as opposed to even waiting the three hours of Amazon. Anyway, whatever it is, um, yeah. interesting. And, and one other thing is, I think, especially in the streetwear and like sneaker kind of world, I feel like there's an element of irony sometimes where I think people, especially more fashion forward, get a little bit of a kick out of wearing something. And it's like, oh, this? Yeah, it's Cheetos or whatever. <laughs> um, or this bag is the Panera, like Panera bread baguette bag or something. Um, I, I think there's something kind of funny to to some people about that of, you know, imagine if you're wearing, you know, $900 Gucci jeans with the $13 Aldi sneakers. I feel like that's a fun thing people like to do. Yeah. I, I remember I was obsessed with this Puma and Polaroid sneaker collaboration yes. from a couple of years ago. Um, and it's just like funny to be like, I'm wearing the Polaroid sneakers. I, I think that's an uh, maybe not a huge element, but definitely an element of a lot of non-fashion brands, you know, like Cheetos dropping some collection or something just because it's kind of novel and funny to be like I'm wearing the Cheetos snapback agree I, don't know. <laughs> agree. I know there are comparisons to this with like restaurants launching kind of merch mm -hmm. like Pizza Hut and um uh what else anyway the fact I I thought it was more similar to like the Costco but um we'll see yeah. I don't know I really wanted that Zabar's like coach collab that was cool too and that's mm. grocery hey yeah, and I, I feel like, uh, yeah, I, th I thought of it more of like the Costco kind of play where it's just like kind of generic, unbranded, cheap, but probably nicer quality than, you know, something more fast fashion. I wonder, would you classify the sneaker as fast fashion? Yeah. I guess it would depend on like the, yeah, the material. Totally. But um, yeah. I'm just like, yes, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it, it is, is. it is. It is fast. Um, cool. Any other thoughts on Aldi sneaker before we wrap up? Get it? Well, it's hot. No. <laughs> That'll do it. All right. Well, let's call it there. Jill, this was so fun. It's always nice talking to you. Um, for those of you listening, uh, don't forget to give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, wherever you're listening to this. Um, that helps us out a lot. And don't forget to subscribe to the Glossy Podcast because you'll hear the weekend review every Friday with me and Jill. And every Wednesday, uh, usually Jill, sometimes me, will interview some cool industry insider. Um, who's our next guest, Jill? Talk about cool. It is Emily Oberg, who founded Sporty and Rich. And we talk all about being a woman in streetwear and how, that, how she's growing that booming brand. So it's fun. 
Cool. Well, subscribe to listen to that. And until then, thank you for listening.